five, four, three, two, fun. health issues that I had to like go through uh last night nothing too uh crazy uh it's it's mostly gone now obviously not COVID so I'm good like my throat a bit achy mm-hmm. uh, hopefully you'll get through it um Jordan of course is at Sir Dr. G J M so it's the Sir D R J M you can uh, find him on Twitter and all that and Jordan here he begged us to uh unshackle <laughs> and let him go after the last episode but we've uh you decided to keep him on for uh, one more go. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's a uh, team tryouts here or something. <laughs> well, it's not really tryouts. <laughs> you don't really have a choice. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. You, you can't hear the chains, but uh, I'm attached yeah, to the desk right now. Yeah, we found we have the technology to you know to silence them out. That's right. It it uses uh, complicated AI algorithms to just you know silence mm. that that. Sound out. All, all the all right, best so... algorithms are complicated. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's it's, it's too complicated to explain on the show. So maybe if we'll go into a more technical episode at one point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is a great start to this uh, 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 one show. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, um, the defiance season has come to a close. Uh, sadly, uh, after a. Uh, 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 an impressive win uh, against the uh, Boston mm-hmm. uprising. Uh, the next game wasn't as 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 impressive, but we're we're gonna talk about it in the payload. So let's get pushing. Moving the payload. Join me. So, like we previously mentioned, the Defiant went against the uprising, and there was also the wager that must be mentioned. As of now, I, I did not see uh, the weekly uprising Twitter handle really change their appearance. I'm sure that once Life Force Ooh. is a, a, a bit f- more free, he'll he'll take care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper into the details of the game. But I already alluded to the fact that that was a victory for the Defiant, and we didn't really expect it to go any other way. Um, mm-hmm. About the performance insel- itself, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But we started at Busan. And this is where it was the most rocky, I think, for um, Toronto. In yeah. Shrine, uh, nothing too crazy, right? With the new uh, open hero pools. Who did we get back? I think we got Echo, Ash, uh, Lucio, yep. and Sigma. Sigma, that's right. So we didn't see any one of, of these heroes at the start. Like the regular Samba Tracer, Diva, and Ball, we saw yeah. Aspire. And Aspire did Aspire things. He <laughs> he went on his um, comfort pick, and I think uh, the Sombra is also a comfort pick for for Hisu. It, it looked good, yeah. but I I feel like at this stage, and and we see this a lot in in the first maps and the first control maps, 
Um, Myungbong had a field day on the Zen. He, he was just carrying during this map. What do you think mm -hmm. about their win there? Um, well, I mean, I, I mentioned it in last week's episode, and, uh, and I also tweeted out about it you know if you listen to that episode all i had to say was i told you so i uh i didn't have the confidence in boston um you know i, I mean spoilers i felt very similar towards right. them as i did the other team that played on that first saturday game um but i really just i i didn't see them coming out with the win over toronto um you know hisu has been trending upwards for sure aspire since uh since toronto brought him on on that first uh i want to say he was first like a two-week contract yeah um, he was and then he kind of went to the 30 day and then another 30 day and then i think they signed him kind of thing um he went through a probation period I right guess. right but yeah he's uh you know he's been steady and definitely getting better every game i think um and then yeah i mean seeing seeing the whole team come together to make it a quick win uh, was certainly certainly not unexpected, but uh, I was pleased to see it. Yeah, like I said, it was only a bumpy ride in, in the Shrine map for Busan, mm -hmm. but you know what? Mecha base? Mm -hmm. uh, Boston went for an interesting adjustment there. They went for the chunkier uh, rush comp with the Mei and the Sim, mm -hmm. and, and wow, this sounds like my worst ladder nightmare going against a <laughs> Mei and the Sim. Mei and Sim, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Aspire, again, we always bring him up. Uh, he had very nice hero plays there, especially that triple kill with the stick. He, mm -hmm. he, he felt reminiscent of that. Um, wow, what is it with Boston and getting like just rolled by, <laughs> by Tracers? Remember the game that Dalton had? I think it was even the same uh, map here with Mecha yeah. Base. But Boston, they kind of like had the advantage for a while. But Michelle and Hisu, they clutched out the comeback. Yep. It was very, very close to a Boston win. And that would have been like a 2-0. And, and things might have gone a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But it didn't happen. And in downtown, I believe that's what the map is called. Maybe it's downtown or city center. I'm not really sure. The one with the with the railway going yeah, through yeah. it. Anyways, this is like a bit of a more open map. So Boston couldn't really play that rush anymore. Mm -hmm. And Hisu... He had good bold DMP there after Lastro Falls. And, and and Toronto seemed like they just want to win this map. And they did. Yeah. It was 1-0. Uh, Anubis, uh, we saw Neist come in. Mm -hmm. uh, signs of a more flexible a flexible comp, I guess. They played the Echo, uh, yep. who's out from her jail, you know, of Hero Pools. And Hisu was on Tracer duty. I I'm going to ask you right now, because this, this will be... A topic of conversation, mm -hmm. I believe, for the next game. Who do you think is the better tracer, Hisu or, or is it uh, Aspire? Um, uh, that's really tough to say because, uh, mostly because of how, I mean, how much or how little we've seen Hisu and Aspire, right? Because we've right. obviously only been somewhat recently introduced to Aspire, unless, of course, you know, you're a Contenders follower, but, I mean, yeah. I, I generally think most people aren't, or I assume they aren't. Um, and I think we just obviously have seen so much more of Hisu, but overall, um, Tracer is one of those characters that I think pretty consistently stays in meta. Um, mm -hmm. if, if I had to pick one other character out of all of them, I would say D.Va is the one character that is yeah. almost always, always, always a safe pick. Um, and so having more than one player who can 
flex onto tracer you know maybe one is a specialty but one can flex onto tracer in certain situations is always going to be a good thing um and hisu is certainly a a very skilled player who's uh been able to take on more than a couple uh heroes and we've really seen him kind of excel on them so honestly my gut says aspire's probably the the better one overall but when you bring in uh nice and you need someone to then go over to the tracer probably better right. to leave nice on the echo um so that hisu can can move on to tracer so i definitely don't mind seeing hisu play it at all um you know i, I don't even want to say he's serviceable i think he's better than serviceable um i think yeah. he's certainly good at it um but you know I, i'd probably give it a more of a 1a and 1b than a 1 and 2 kind of thing yeah, it's definitely better than what we saw in the Titans when we discussed what happens when like Dalton needs to you yeah. know go off the tracer when Taru comes in. Yeah, I think it's it's very similar in a way that Nice probably is uh, when you you gotta have Nice to play the the weird pit. Well, not weird, but you know projectile heroes, and he mm-hmm. definitely has the wider pool, and he synergizes with Hisu much better than I guess um, Aspire could. But for sure, uh, maybe the tracer he like the Aspire Hisu combo. Uh, has higher peaks perhaps yeah anyways uh, yeah that, that could be it uh anyways it works on their attack pretty well um boston came out with stand one on ryan and that's essentially all he did he, st- mm-hmm. he stood around and he couldn't really adjust with yeah. you know the dive comp was super fast from toronto it was um but then on points two the the bunker from from boston with the well not the mccree the 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 cowboy character yes, <laughs> and the Torbjorn. Right, yeah, it worked uh, pretty well. And they w- held for a decent amount of time, I guess. And and Toronto, they got um, two two ticks really quickly. Well, not quickly, but there were fights going back and forth. But it took all the time bank for them to mm-hmm. clutch out uh, sh- Shatter from Sato. We didn't really see Sato play Ryan for so long. He basically went as on on the Rhine as a desperation move at the mm-hmm. end there but it worked out and number two was capped mm-hmm. without any time left on the bank and on defense uh it was boston's time to go on the echo comp mm-hmm. uh valentine was really good and that's one of his like signature heroes i believe yeah. he he produced a lot of results from the first push it felt like he was partly responsible to getting every kill that happened in that fight <laughs> uh and, and they had a lot of time to cap point two and, and something happens yeah. In maps like Anubis and Volskaya, well, two CP magic, right? But when <laughs> sometimes teams get too much time, I, I use like air quotations. Yeah, they got uh, it goes slower than usual, and mm-hmm. then every fight felt scrappy. But you know, you have that uh, defend defenders favoring spawns respawns, mm-hmm. and I think like I'm thirty seven got a three K blossom there at the end, and Young Bong got the fourth pick with the coalescence Hisu. Clutches out and gets the healers in the on the flank and yeah. Toronto. Well, I wouldn't say miraculously because it happens a lot of times <laughs> in two CP, but they held out at the end with ninety eight percent on the cap for the map. Mm-hmm. So maybe not as close as uh, Busan was, but even Anubis. Yeah, it's not like they just came out and dominated Boston, right? No, for sure. It was. It was. Um... I, one of the things that I, I like about Anubis is the sort of 
kind of the difference between point A and point B. Where point mm-hmm. A, I think usually, I mean, maybe it's just in the low ranks that I play. The challenge is getting through that first kind of doorway, right? You know, before you enter that little market area to get over right. the bridge. You see a lot of junk rap later. Exactly, right? You often, in, in lower ranks, you see a lot of sort of just blasting through there to get through it. Sure. Um, whereas point B, it's almost like there's no defense before the actual point. Everyone sets up right on the point and guards it there. And I think that's where, where you know, a team like Boston could excel uh, because they're able to really set up a defense there um, when they're defending. Now, obviously, uh, Toronto kind of took their time, just like, uh, just like you're saying Boston did. Um, but Boston, I think, really kind of squandered what they had there. They, they had a chance to swing it. Um, sure on on point b there and to their credit like they got close um but ultimately yeah they just couldn't couldn't bring it out yeah on to king's row toronto began with the attack uh we're still getting the nice and hisu composition especially in maps like king's row havana those teams where where you uh require a wider Mm -hmm. you know hero pool where different sections feel so different from one another uh, you did mention this about Anubis, but I think it's also similar in King's Row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get the Hanzo there, you get uh, the Tracer, you get a lot of different um, playstyles there. And Boston did go with the Hanzo. Mm-hmm. I guess the, that bursty uh, opportunity to get a pick really quickly. And, and it feels a little bit more penetrating maybe on, on, on the attack. But, but yeah. I feel like it was weird because it was the time for Toronto to attack. And and Boston, their their Hanzo defense looked a bit promising, but, you know, when once fights get really scrappy on, on King's Row 1, mm-hmm. that respawn is very, very close to that point. And I feel like that's why at T- Toronto were able to kind of stabilize the push. Yeah, And I feel like Michelle played really solidly and, and they just capped point one. Mm-hmm. So then nice he looked pretty good on the tracer, especially in this um, map. Two is capped pretty quickly with an EMP, and nice just kept on sticking bombs one after another. And <laughs> King's Row, despite like what felt a good, you know, set of wins for Toronto, they had like 1.51, not a bad time mm-hmm. after capping point three. On defense, uh, both teams went for the echo. And just when it looks like Boston were about to cap. Toronto kind of come back to save it at like 89%. So mm-hmm. it looked lost, but they did what they had done in the previous map and they kind of clutched back and, and fought back, which I liked. And then Hisu uh, got like a, a 2K with another great stick on the Echo and Lucio. Yeah. And then one more time on Moira and Winston this time. It felt like he had pulse bombs on, on cooldown, really. And when you <laughs> pop off on Tracer, yeah. it happens. Yeah. And and uh, Boston were finally able to get that point, but you know what happens when you when it takes so long to get it? Uh, your time bank is not really great. Yeah. And Toronto felt the blood, you know, in the water, and they knew that time was favorable. They just went in. They were aggressive, mm-hmm. and this is what I would have liked to to see from from Toronto in all three maps. I feel like only in Kings Row, I felt confident that yeah, this is going to be a sweep. Yeah. Yeah. It- uh, again, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to talk too down on, on certain teams, but there are certain teams that, uh, when they go down 
2-0, and uh, you at least think they have a chance of coming back. And then there are other teams that uh, when they're down 2-0, you don't necessarily give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I would mm-hmm. probably say Toronto is one of those teams. If they're down, down by two and you're going into the third map, more often than not, you're not expecting them to make a comeback. But I know there was at least once this past, like this season, I think it might have been against Atlanta where they came back and had the reverse sweep against them. Mm. So Toronto, it's not off the table. Boston, I just feel a little bit more like <clears throat> once they're down 2-0, maybe you haven't boomed their mental just yet, but it's not going to take much. Uh, yeah. You know, they they don't play that high tempo um, that's really required that like, like you just said, you know, when Toronto was on attack, um, they kind of went in quick, they went in quick, they went in hard. Um, and they kind of knew if we push these guys, we can take advantage of the mistakes they're going to make right. and we'll be able to win this. And if Boston had come back with a similar attitude, uh, you know, just push hard, move quick, get it done. Maybe they could have put up more of a fight, but ultimately, I mean, it didn't matter yeah. at that point. I completely agree. I think there's something that's uh, another characteristic of, of these teams that you don't really feel like they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. It's it's even more apparent when they lose the really, really close, like, heartbreaking maps. Yeah. And when, like, the map previously could have gone either way, it feels like, you know, you took the, you know, wind out of their lungs, really out of their totally. sails. Yeah. yeah. And you can, like, see. <laughs> I know it's Overwatch, but we do get, like, to see... You know the face cams, and you can mm-hmm. tell these guys are yeah. they're out of it. There's a there's another match that happened this weekend where uh, there were some unfortunate moments on the face cams where you could oh, see yeah. the life leaving the team um, <laughs> as their season came to an end. But I won't spoil yeah. it yet. <laughs> yeah, there were multiple teams. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of this drama this weekend, especially yeah. and and many teams like used you know in game chat to, yep. to trash talk and this like backfired exactly. really. Uh, um, yeah, so the, the, how to quote uh, Michael Scott, well, well, how the turntables have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with that as a segue, uh, we did have the Defiant game against the Shock. We, we didn't preview it that well, I guess. Well, it's, well. it's my fault, really. We, we didn't, uh, we forgot about the fact that teams were able to actually pick yep. uh, their opponent in the next round. What do you think about the Shock picking uh, um, Toronto there? Um. Obviously, hindsight, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it. it's interesting because in that situation, you know, I, I often am like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to see the top dog pick the team that's going to be more challenging? And more often than not, that plays into my favor because then my team traditionally has not been the top dog. So that right. means they're realistically getting a slightly easier matchup. But at the same time, for San Francisco, if they are serious about getting into the playoffs, which they obviously are, they're going to go with the sure thing, right? They're going to go with the team they feel, hey, we can beat these guys no matter what they pull out, no matter what magic they have up their sleeves, no matter what they aspire to be. uh, We can... Unintended? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, you know, as soon as San Francisco picked Toronto, uh, I was concerned, about Toronto's yeah. chances. Uh, well, it's funny that you bring this up because there there was actually one team. Or we talk, we'll talk maybe touch a little bit the the, the finals playoff bracket, and there was one selection. 
Oh yes, I like right. that one. Went, went the other yes, way. Yes, yes, and it, I mean, do we want to talk about that now? Do we want to talk about that? Oh later? no, no, no. We'll, we'll get <laughs> okay, there. Okay, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. All right. But another thing that I want to bring up uh, last week. Remember when we had predicted this match and we said that maybe only if Toronto just blows the doors off of Boston yeah. and get like irrationally confident, really, really hot, <laughs> and, and they can take advantage of the team that didn't really play yet. And then, and only then, they might have a you know, be a threat to a team like the Shock. And I feel like we were right with that prediction. Like, despite the 3-0, mm-hmm. you know, how the two team, two, two out of three maps were very, very close. And it, it felt, unfortunately for Toronto, like, like a competitive match. Despite, like, Toronto clearly being the better team, it didn't feel like, you know, the type of game that would give you, like, the irrational confidence that you you need to to mm-hmm. you know get the upper hand against a team like the shock that on paper is, is much better than you like on the uprise really so what did you think going into this i guess you already kind of alluded to the fact that you were concerned yeah um it's again it, it i was hopeful um you know i mean uh friend of friend of your show and mine uh adam adamu uh, one of the mm-hmm. uh, members of the Overactive Media Group, who of course owns the Toronto Defiant as well as the Toronto Ultra and the Mads Lions, um, he tweeted something to the extent of uh, something about the records of the other teams uh, in those leagues, uh, Call of Duty League and uh, League of Legends, and how they've been underdogs throughout the season going into many of their matches, and of course their those other franchises uh, under Overactive Media actually have been very successful this season and have bested the uh, the favored team a number of times throughout these past seasons. And Toronto Defiant was in line to to do it as well. And boy, oh boy, what a, what a sight that would have been. Um, it certainly would have been very, very exciting if Toronto had, uh, had I don't want to say shown up because certainly they showed up and I'm sure they gave yeah. it their all because, you know, this, this was for playoffs. This was the end of the season if they lost. Um, and it, it would have been great to see them get a map, you know, maybe pick up, pick up some steam. Um, I mean, I guess they technically, they got a map, but I mean, you know, get an actual round. Um, and yeah, it, it was overall, you know, hard fought against a very, very difficult team to face a team Mm -hmm. that I'm sure nobody in the league ever looks forward to i think they've kind of been built up as the villains of the league given their uh, their track record i at this point they have to be right mm-hmm. so on to you know the play-by-play and uh we'll comment on each of these maps starting with oasis um you know the control maps gardens hisu and Neist on the eco comp against the san francisco shock rush and and you get to see you know the cowboy and ryan with, with super Another interesting pick was the rare Lucio pick. We saw FD yep. God come in uh, and play his favorite hero. He did have some great boops and, and, and harassment there uh, against against uh, Toronto. Not only in this map, but another one that another player I'm going to bring up. But fights at this point went both ways. I guess mm-hmm. they almost always do in these maps. But Defiant, they looked better mm-hmm. during Gardens. And they got to 99%. And San Francisco, they flipped it, and in their you know most San Francisco way <laughs> imaginable, they just hold on until yeah. the last fight, and they just wind around in a shocking recovery yeah. with a 
intended pun, of course, but this reminded me a lot of the Boston, uh, how they lost a Mecca base to Toronto in, yeah. in the previous match. What do you do against a team like that when you just like, you know, you, you have the upper hand, but nothing really seems to work? Yeah, and I mean, that's, like you said, like, that's the story of San Francisco, right? Um, you know, it, at times they've been the dominant team. They've been the team that no one can stop. But other times they are the team that, when you think you've got them down, yeah, like you say, you're at 99%. They flip it and they're not letting go. As soon as they taste, they get that that taste of flesh. That there's no coming back, and that's exactly what they did. Um, watching this control bat, and I mean, throughout the season, um, you know, uh, San Francisco has had challenges with control specifically um if you follow san francisco shock on twitter you would have seen all the memes about san francisco winning control (laughs) finally because they've struggled with that um and on top of that i mean it it looks to me like ryan isn't really in meta but of course they bring out super the ryan specialist and Mm. he makes it happen um obviously it's not only him but you know yeah uh that's that's what san francisco does they know how to give him the resources, right? This yeah. is very uh, brings me nostalgic feelings uh, to when uh, the Titans gave all the resources to bumper. the bumper. Yep. yep, at one point. But yeah, it's it's like maybe it's the talent gap because we do know that you know San Francisco lost uh, striker and they're not mm-hmm. like the same team and they've had. But you know when when it's time to show up for the playoffs, the, that culture starts uh, seeping through. Maybe. Yep. And they still have Choyobin, and they still have a bunch of champions on that team. So, well, and and I think in large part too, um, you know, without getting, you know, without turning this into a San Francisco Shock podcast. Um, oh no, we don't want that. No, never, never, <laughs> unless we're talking about Twilight. Um, yeah, but uh, it seems like, you know, the story of them this season has been the struggles they've had, um, and maybe they're starting to figure things out. But you've got to look at who they lost and things too because you know sure. it wasn't just the players it was also uh the coaching staff with junk buck going over to uh mm-hmm. to houston um and there's another one who i'm forgetting right this second but yeah the the point is you know right now um if if ever there was a time for their coaching staff to figure it out and you know finally get things on track now's the time sure yeah i wouldn't pay i, I wouldn't put the sandbagging uh, oh, no. label on them yet. I think there's another team that is that Ooh. might be fitting that a little bit more, but we'll get there. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, additionally, we we still all of our theory theory crafting here might just go out of the window the moment they lose to someone. But uh, mm-hmm. back to our uh, game in university, we saw Glister going onto the sim and just you know rushing the hell Melting out of people. The, the, you just melt everyone. Yep. It was painful to see. And then San Francisco, they dominated until the flip at like 93%. And then I, I wasn't really confident there. Mm-hmm. They flipped there again at the end. But Toronto kind of survived. And there's another 99 to 99. It felt like maybe Toronto can be the one mm-hmm. that, you know, with a miraculous comeback there. But the shock, they just clutch it. With yep. Great play from Super. And it's, you know, 1-0. He just sees those opportunities, even when it's not meta, even when it's like not feasible. He, he, he brings... He brings it. He brings that five-head energy, yeah. right? That's true. That's true. The big forehead exactly. energy, that's for sure. Well, Skya, there's a, a little bit of a shake-up. Uh, not for Toronto. They're still playing the Echo approach. 
But we see Smurf come in for uh, Super to play in the big monkey. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the Echo pick because we see another uh, trade, uh, another substitution for the Shock where Ans is in and he he has locked the legs. And, and yep. this, is, this bodes uh, trouble for Toronto. <laughs> uh, but to begin the fight, and then I should mention Toronto is on attack, Hisu picks Twilight there yep. in a in a in a subsequent fight. And then Echo and, and Winston Nice, you know, not Echo and Winston, but Echo goes Winston. <laughs> nice, and then he ults and the point point one is capped. But you know what? Smurf is a pretty good Winston as well. He just gets rid of Toronto's backlines and any attempt was basically squashed there at point two. Mm-hmm. It looked very frustrating for for Toronto, I bet. Yeah, I, I I'm sure it was. I mean, they, I would say this was probably their their best map. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, I mean, everyone seemingly hates two CP, and and sure. yet it was probably one of the more entertaining maps. Um, I mean, I love seeing Ons play. Um, I also enjoyed seeing Smurf come in because I wasn't expecting it as much. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, obviously things went in favor of the shock. Um, I almost wonder what things would have looked like had uh, Toronto brought in Aspire. Um, yeah. You know, not to spoil the final round as well, but I don't think he played at all in this round. Right. And I do wonder why that is. Uh, maybe it's a, could be a synergy thing. Could be a, I mean, who knows really? Because it's not like Aspire or Neist had played with the team prior to the season or played with sort of the core of the team being from the Philadelphia fusion of last year. Um, but I do wonder why Aspire wasn't brought in um, even just to shake things up, you know? Yeah. I, I, I feel that too, because um, with Ans playing, you know, the hit scan role, I, I feel like there might've been a place mm-hmm. there to experiment a little bit more with that. And especially on, um, with Ans on a character like legs. Um, sure. You know, obviously he's got good mobility, but you bring in a tracer who can come in and flank that and run circles around. Exactly. Sure. Just, just that much quicker than legs. It could have, could have been a good thing to see. Who knows? And not to say that like the tracer play was bad per no, se. For sure. I, I, there was a play there and the next fight after the one we mentioned that, you know, the tracer and the main tank for both teams, whether it was like, you know, the, the ball or, or the Winston on, mm-hmm. or on the Winston on, on San Francisco shock, they killed, you know, the other team's, Two healers. That, that was a very interesting uh, play there. Mm-hmm. So both teams didn't have healers, but guess what? When you're on attack yep. and it's 2CP, you have the upper hand as the defender. So San Francisco, they just come back, you know. And the last attempt in OT, Hisu, he was able to get Violet with a sticky bomb. So again, another great tracer mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. But man, Smurf and Choi, yep. you know, they just shot them down again. Their synergy is just unbelievable. So true. And you know, you said it, and it felt like a, a, um, a close map, and every fight did feel pretty close. Picks going either way, but but 0% mm-hmm. on the cap, nothing given yeah. on point two. Very frustrating. On defense, uh, Somber Tracer, and a, a quite peculiar Sigma pick by Michelle. I guess the plan was to have some presence on point to, to you know, to yeah. give some bulk to uh, Sato, but the problem is that Nero, he he covers the flanks, right? And mm-hmm. on Soldier, he went on the high ground, and Sigma just can't get to either one. Yeah. He can't really achieve, you know, what he what he was out to achieve with, with that bulk. And San Francisco just got one very, very easily, very quickly. Just a poor um, 
I don't know, planning for, for the team compositions. Yeah. And they just pushed hard onto two, and Sato was focused down plenty of times. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe Sato should have played Monkey a little bit more and maybe less ball. I don't know. Right now, obviously, yeah. hindsight and all that, but... Yeah, and, and the it's so tough with this with this being a new and completely unlocked meta. Um, sure. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Toronto was hoping for some magic switching to the uh, the Sigma. Um, given I don't know that we saw any other team this past weekend play Sigma. Um, if we did, it was generally short lived. Very limited um, for sure. Lots of lots of teams still trying to uh, to use the ball to its advantage. Which, to be fair, ball is probably one of the most versatile um, tanks in the game right now. Um, but ultimately a bit of an odd pick trying to force the meta and and i think san francisco is a team that you know they see something like that there's a good chance they know it's not going to work out and they take advantage of it yeah and i think that was like really an example of the difference that you saw like a team like boston trying to adjust Mm -hmm. playing you know uh, a rush comp and then getting to dive in there and you see really the difference in an adaptation and and we should just name it you know like the the, the skill gap is probably there For as sure. well yeah nobody want, likes to, to talk about it but but it's there and uh, yeah we see the results mm-hmm. so on to numbani we see toronto start on defense and they go with the tracer echo comp where the hell is Aspire? This is what I wrote on my <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. Right? At this at this point, like, just try it. Maybe yeah. it'll work a little better. Who you're, knows? you're down to nothing. What do you got to lose? Sub in that's the rookie. Right. And San Francisco, they bring Super back, mm-hmm. and they they like to you know keep it fresh. He's back in there swinging the hammer. They pair him up with a cowboy glister and the torb. Yeah. So they they have a weirdly defensive bunkerish attacking style but they do also have speed from from the lucio right mm-hmm. and ansu j i think because of that is too slow to avoid getting just picked by super he just walks onto point and they just get a very quick once the brig dies yeah and then in in the next fight Choi obin he picks up nice and then both healers fall it looks really really bad for for toronto at this point san francisco looks too thick with the brig Ryan and Abaptiste, I think mm-hmm. nothing really works. Why is Sato at this point never like trying to play the Ryan? Maybe that's what I was yeah. thinking about. But then there was actually a nice adjustment, I think, from from uh, Toronto where he flexes onto the Hanzo. Right. At the time, I thought it might have been just like a sign of desperation, but it worked out. He had like he popped off, and mm-hmm. Hanzo is one of those characters. Once you get you get hot, there was like a headshot galore there, and. Yeah. and the dragon was also on point there. He got two picks. Uh, and and they slowed the, them down a little bit. But then, you know, San Francisco, they, again, focused down Sato. And last, last try, I did bring this up before. And I mentioned how FD God's boops were on point. So mm-hmm. last try actually died to the Diva self-destruct because of a good FD God boop. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, the, you know, the second point was, was capped as well. But it felt like maybe there's hope on, on attack. Mm-hmm. Maybe not really. <laughs> and on attack, uh, they, you know, they, well, if you are playing nice and he sue, maybe flex again. And they did try something unusual, the Genji and Reaper. Why not, right? Yep. It's an interesting pick. Maybe it works. Maybe you can uh, work 
some magic. But the problem is that San Francisco still had the Torb. And Torb is bad news for Genji. And <laughs> there was a bad play there. And I guess this was like the downward spiral moment for Toronto where everything goes wrong. Yeah. Last row with the bad Nano on Sato after like both Nice Denounce and Jay fell. So you you waste the Nano onto Sato where your your team is basically dead. So nothing for the Blade that like the yeah. team is trying really hard to get. And Super with another MTD shatter, just you know, just flexing mm-hmm. and and time is running out, and not even the blade helps. You know, Toronto is stuck in the yeah. in that spiral, and they just aggressively hauling on to one, and that's how the season ends. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? It in terms of that game, it was for San Francisco. It was just like uh, just like Super said when they announced the pick. You know, business is business. Right. They came in with all the confidence in the world. They came in with not a single loss to Toronto this season. And uh, and they came in not expecting to put a loss in, in there. Um, and and they they worked them. Um, overall, season as, as, as a whole, better than we've seen in the past, obviously, from Toronto. Sure. Um, I'm hopeful it... Fe- well... We've got some other things to talk about that could throw a wrench into these plans. Uh, but I'm hopeful, and it seems like they have some some building blocks to uh, to work from. Um, one thing that's a big question mark for me is the coaching staff in Toronto, particularly KDG, just because so many of them came over uh, from that Philadelphia Fusion core. So right. bringing over Hisu, Sato, Michelle, um, and Coach KDG... It's clear that they had some synergy and everything. I'm sure they would have loved to have Ivy come over with Hisu. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he went over to New York, I believe. But it felt like we've got something here. Um, v- very similar to a number of other teams. You know, I would I would throw Dallas Fuel in there. Obviously, they had a little bit more, uh, you know, a couple more players than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington felt somewhat similar as well, at, you yeah. know, thinking at the start of the season kind of thing. Um no kind of retaining a core. I mean, San Francisco honestly felt like that too. Retaining a core group of players, but bringing in some newer, fresher blood. Um, I think the difference between a team like San Francisco and a team like Toronto is San Francisco can attract some players who have a good history uh, rather than are purely rookies. Um, So like Toronto brings in Neist, um, Ansun Jay, whereas San Francisco has Glister, and Nero joined them and Ons comes back yeah. and that kind of thing, right? That That's kind of the difference. San Francisco being the championship team, they can attract the talent, whereas Toronto brings over a core and then has to supplement that. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what we saw. Um, I do think Toronto performed lower than I would have thought they would. Um, but overall, not bad, not a terrible season, and I, I'm certainly not upset with uh, where they ended things. Given this was probably the most competitive season uh, we've seen. Sure, I, I, I agree. It's it's a lot of it is like, what what do you expect really at mm-hmm. the beginning? Uh, I'm sure Chris is a little bit more disappointed. He had uh, high hopes for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they didn't really have a favorable draw there in playing the Shocks. You know, for so sure. early into the plans, but you look at the at the standings right now, and you know, nine and seven, a winning record, mm-hmm. but the map differential is at a zero. So, yep. 
and you have teams like the Washington Justice right there and Houston Outlaws above you and and you're above only the Paris Eternal, Boston, Florida, London and Vancouver. So I would not think that like going into this season say Adam or or the plans that they they had are are good enough and I'm sure mm-hmm. that like like before I do expect them to improve going forward mm-hmm. and this is the right path for them to really yep. work from you know this season and, and get better going forward a little bit maybe if the standings were together with the east it would look a little bit better <laughs> Fair but enough. it is what it is and and we were always talking about who's the you know the gatekeeper between the bad and the good teams i feel like toronto is right there in the middle we always yeah. thought it might have been atlanta and and you know they kind of evolved past that beyond that houston obviously maybe overachieved i don't know if it's fair to say now <laughs> but maybe washington kind of underachieved i don't know i think i feel like toronto is exactly at that spot where yeah if you're below them you're a bad team if you're above them you're a good team and right there in the middle mm-hmm. is is the toronto defiant yeah i so i feel very very similar um yeah there's there's at least one other one team below them that i think majorly underperformed um but uh, yeah ulti- ultimately you're right they uh they became the the gatekeeper team if yeah. if they aren't it's you know maybe one above them um but overall i'm i'm sad to see it end this way uh yeah. but i i don't i don't think they would have gone all the way um right. and and honestly the teams that are are entering the playoffs now um all definitely deserve to be there uh maybe except for one but i'll save that (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure and and that's just the thing when you're in the middle it's all a matter of did you expect them to be above that or below that and and depending on that like i don't think anybody well maybe some people did expect them to be right there in the middle as the gatekeepers but we don't know but it's over for toronto unfortunately so both of the canadian teams are officially out and let's hope that they get the proper acquisitions and and you know build around assuming they still keep the core players if you mm-hmm. had the opportunity to, to save some of these players who would you keep keep uh that's that's a good question um I'm putting you here on the spot <laughs> no that, that's okay i definitely i mean obviously like i say the the core is there with sato michelle and hisu um i could see if if I had to pick one of them, just given they were kind of the the more experienced, the veterans on the team, if you will, if I had to cut one of them, you know, let me put on my coaching cap here, I would think, I don't think you can get rid of Hisu, given his elevated performance towards the end of the season here. Um, and I also think that Sato really uh, kind of showed off what he's capable of. Now, Obviously, main tank and off tank work very closely together, so it's hard, and especially with the synergy that Sato and Michelle had, it's hard to say that you could pull one of them and not ruin that. But if one of the three has to go, I'm probably cutting Michelle. Now, that's not looking at the rookies, because the rookies with Nice, um, with Aspire, I think if you're if those two are competing for spots in the lineup, I think it's pretty clear which one you pick except for the fact that they've got a little bit of overlap, right? You've got Aspire yeah. overlapping with Hisu, and Neist is a bit more of the uh, the flex player with his with Echo and everything like that. I want to keep Aspire, 
but he probably overlaps with Hisu a little too much, in which case he might also have some good trade potential. Um, you know, you sure. might be able to get something decent for him and then you've got a little more to work with. So as much as I'd love to see Aspire stay, I could see him being one of those chess pieces that you do move in order to bring someone else in. Um, obviously, I haven't really talked about Ansun Jay or Lastro. Um, and I would probably say Toronto's support line this past season was was good. Um, support is so much harder to gauge. Uh, right. When your support line really pops off, it makes a huge difference. When they don't and they are able to maintain the team, it obviously enables everyone else to make the difference. So it's a little harder to to really gauge that without taking a closer look. Um, Lastro's obviously got the experience. Ansun Jay uh, was a rookie as well. So I'm not too sure what you do with the support lineup. But like I say, Aspire and Michelle, maybe. I, if Michelle stays in the league, just given uh, he's got you know a couple more years under his belt, if he's able to find a, a home somewhere else, um, that'd be great. And then Aspire, I think, could be that that sort of ace in your pocket that you could trade and, and get something decent in return. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with some of what you said, uh, but not with everything. Sure. I kind of would have liked them. I, I Well, I don't know how they should proceed, but I feel like Michelle was probably their most stable okay. player this year. Um, and I completely agree about the 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 aspire problem and i yeah. mean it in, the, in a it's, know, it's a good problem to way. have yeah yeah especially when you don't really know is if are there any like problems with with the fact that he's the you know he's playing around the korean core maybe that, that kind of hinders his progress or or synergy with with you know the rest of the team mm-hmm. uh with the support line uh yeah there is something there to it needs to be said, and and like when you look at them as players, you, you you might say, yeah, sure, they're good, but like once you go up and down the rosters, you're looking at who they have to go up against. True. And I feel like as they they do keep up, but they may not be as flexible, or yeah. they're not they the, they're not the playmakers that are really going to help you, uh, right? Blast through kind of thing, break that exactly. Ceiling. They need to rely a lot on on how solidly the rest of the team plays. Right. While in in many other teams, especially if you want to you know breach that ceiling where the, where it takes you to become a really good team, all of these teams have you know those players mm-hmm. in support line that would like win you a fight consistently. Right. So that's like my main concern. Um, they're not on the level of you know the the, the problems that you know support lines like. Uh, vancouver has right now but but there might be there might be potential of improving Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so i think that is all it's kind of sad to to finish you know uh, pushing the payload on the snow but we gotta get to the fray Okay, so both games that Toronto played were not the only games uh, that were played during last week. At on Saturday, we saw 
Paris Eternal lose to the Washington Justice 03. And then obviously the Toronto versus Boston game, another 3 0. Lots of sweeps in the Western mm-hmm. front uh, there. Uh, on Sunday, Hangzhou Spark lost 1 3 to the Philadelphia Fusion. Uh, Philly went on. That was another game that I, I really didn't get a chance to watch beyond the highlights, and I'm mm-hmm. really interested. Did you were you able to watch the entire match between the Philadelphia Fusion and Seoul? Uh, I didn't 3-1. watch the whole thing. I usually what I do with uh, the Eastern Region games when I come into work on a Monday is I'll put them on one of my monitors and and have it on as I work kind of thing. So I'm not able to pay the most attention, uh, but I do catch a lot of it. And or, or some of it, I should say, not a lot of it. I work very hard on yeah. network, of course, of course. I'm sure my bosses are listening. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. Um, and <laughs> but yeah, and mostly we get the Los Angeles uh, Valiant encores, right? So oh yeah, that that's very true. Those are yeah yeah. Um, but no, I mean overall, um, a part of Philadelphia's win over Seoul, in my opinion, was. Soul not showing up. Uh, I yeah. think, I think they actually had a really good season, um, but the their schedule kind of played against them pretty significantly. Mm. And I was looking forward to them making more of a playoff run. That said, Philadelphia obviously is no stranger to challenges this season with all of their visa issues. Um, you know, the, the reason that I believe Hotba and Mono are actually on their team is because they couldn't get their tank and, and and off tank over to Korea. So they had to sign players that were ready and able, and they were a big part of Philly performing really well uh, at the very start of the season um, and, and sort of throughout. So ultimately, I was I would have liked to see Seoul put up more of a fight. I was cheering for Philly. Um, you know, I think sure. this was... I think this was the first time Philly was able to play with their full actual sort of mm-hmm. roster that we were expecting with the exception of uh, Poco, I believe, um, because he's apparently the only one who never had his visa issues sorted out. And on top of that, I mean, you know, call it a soft spot, but it's always fun to watch uh, Shockwave play. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. if only because he came came into the league through Vancouver. Um, he's yeah. He's extremely good. No, I agree. Like, Philadelphia always has, like, a soft spot in my heart for a lot of the players there. You know, mm-hmm. Arpe, AQO, and, and I, I was also expecting them to pop off this season. Obviously, uh, it didn't happen because of, you know, visa reasons, I think. Yeah, going into the, the playoffs and going to, you know, the, the last stage, they have chosen a good time to wake up. And yep. maybe uh, this is the team that I alluded to with the sandbag. Remark. Oh. Obviously, it's a very big visa-shaped sandbag and, and they didn't really choose to sandbag the season right they might be a really dangerous opponent now like with, yeah with the confidence and, and the play yeah they've after got that some potential. go ahead i was just oh, gonna yeah. say they've got some potential to uh to make a deep deep run in the playoffs that's to for make sure. some noise yeah. it's kind of reminiscent of what uh washington were able to do last year last maybe. year maybe this year too we'll see Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so then we had Toronto Defiant lose to San Francisco. We discussed that a lot too. So another sweep on on that side of 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 the tournament. And finally, we had probably the best game in the entire plans, a stage 
Washington winning right. 3-2, beating the Houston Outlaws, finishing mm-hmm. boys from Texas uh, season. Um, it was an exciting match, not going to lie. That was probably, you know, yeah. my favorite one that, you know, didn't involve Toronto playing because, you mm-hmm. know, we root for them. But this one, wow. Yeah, I um, it's funny. When you were talking about a team sandbagging and, and you were talking about Philadelphia, I thought you were talking about Washington because... Uh... <laughs> mm. I don't know if they, they intently didn't play well at the start. I'm not sure what was going I'm, on there. I'm sure nobody does. Um, <laughs> but... Ultimately, Except for New York, right? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Ultimately, I uh, I have a bit of a, a sour taste towards Washington, and it it is in part because of their playoff run last year. Um, I I took pleasure watching San Francisco knock them out of uh, out of their playoff run that they wormed their way into, um, and and you know no discredit to any of the players, and certainly they do have uh, some very skilled, very talented players. Um, and even some redemption arcs this season and things like that. But man, it just gets under my skin when you see a team like this not really performing and then they just show up, you know? Yeah. Last season, it felt to me like DK was basically a cheat code, whether you played the Zari or anything else. I think this, like at least in this game, I was really impressed with Assassin's Sombra. Oh, yeah. He used to have those Mimi MPs, right? Yep. Demand. But his manual hacks, especially, like it, mm-hmm. it's looked like DK didn't really have to try as hard as he usually, you know, does. Yeah, played a lot of that Reaper, just like point and click adventure game for him. Oh, this guy's hacked. I'm gonna take him out. Mm-hmm. But it, it was was an exciting game. Sad to see another team like Houston, you know, burn out just when it mattered. But like, it's the most Houston thing to do, right? Absolutely. Um, especially with them trashed. Trash talking the opponents and then yeah. the C nines and stuff like that that happened throughout. Yeah, it's it's a sad way, sad day for Houston fans, I'm sure. Uh, the pause at the end also added like a sour yes. and note to this. This was weird, really weird when like yeah. you know, the game was over. But uh, it was it was rough. Um, you know, Houston. I think a lot of people had had high on their uh, their power rankings at the beginning of the season. Um, they and they and they had a lot of talent honestly they yeah. it's not like they didn't show up to this game it's not like it didn't seem like they were working hard and pushing and grinding right to the very end and that that pause was one of the most unfortunate things i think anyone's ever seen in the league because it just in terms of when it happened and and the way it froze and the player cams and this is what I was alluding to earlier when I said, you know, you could just see the life drain out of Houston as that pause dragged on and on and on. I'm sure it made what seemed like a never-ending match just extend out that much longer. Mm-hmm. And and we we already mentioned uh, some of the common themes we saw through this playing tournament, but I think. Another problem that we mentioned before in here with with who plays the tracer uh, question might arise for for Houston, where we, like you said, sometimes you want your best player to play a specialist role, and I feel like Dante should have been on that tracer for a lot of these fights, and and he wasn't. Yeah. Obviously, happy is still good, but uh, it's just like what we mentioned before for and you know aspire, and it's 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 a. Despite it being like a good good uh, uh, problem to have, 
it's still something that once you lose a match and you're like starting to think and it gets to you, you're mm-hmm. like, mm, maybe you could have done better. But yeah, it is what it is now. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, and now we have Washington advancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I feel like uh, some notes of of you know you not being pleased there. About it. <laughs> yes, it's it's true. Uh, I've I've talked about on my show before as well that. There are some teams that, for for some reason or another, and, and I don't know that I could tell you what it is really, there are some teams where I just feel feel sour towards them. Maybe it was a certain game they had against a team I liked, or maybe it was a certain player that I didn't like his attitude or, or something right. to that extent. But there's some teams that I just feel sour towards. And if I had to pick two in the West, it would be Atlanta and Washington. And I've always felt that way about them ever since I first started watching. Um yeah with the exception of Atlanta's beautiful peach-colored jerseys. I just have never <laughs> been a fan of them. And Washington, I mean, Washington, it's probably uh, in large part due to due to the decay thing uh, that happened with the transfer from him going to Dallas over to Washington. And uh, I think at the time it was Crimzo on the Dallas Fuel, who's now, of course, on the Houston Outlaws, tweeted something out about uh, uh, how, yeah, how awful it was to have someone who sandbagged uh, your team all season long suddenly seeing Oof. success and and that that did you know i mean who knows you know there's two sides to every story but the rumors are that there's a bit of an attitude issue there um with with decay and and i i'm not a fan of that um mm-hmm. and so yeah i uh, i would have loved to see houston advance um harsha former coach of the vancouver titans is now in yeah. washington or I mean, sorry, is now in Houston, as well as uh, Junkbuck, former coach of the San Francisco Shock, uh, assistant coach or something like that. Um, and so there's a lot of talent in Houston. Their team this year was pretty stacked. Um, and, and that mostly showed in their results. Sure, they had some upsetting losses. Um, but overall, they performed. And I think out of all these matches this past weekend, they're maybe the one match that, you know, yeah. we, I would have expected them to come out on top against Washington, but like you say, some teams turn it on right when it matters. So that's what Washington did. And it, Oh, credit to assassin. Yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. turned himself around for that's sure. True. Well, at least we can, you know, expect to see Stitch and Jono play well for them in the playoffs, right? Oh, right. yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, the uh, the temporary contracts. I was I was so happy to see them land somewhere, especially Stitch. I liked Stitch, but yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. All right, then. Before we talk a little bit, we're not, we're not going to go into predictions not yet. We still have to, sure. you know, save up some content for next week um, for what we think is going to transpire in the finals playoffs but just so you know the pickums are open so don't forget to lock them up but you know think about it well because once you lock it up you're not able to adjust it anymore uh i heard about like like the ludicrous amounts of money that they're now giving to anybody who gets (laughs) you know this bracket right but someone did the math on reddit it's almost impossible to like get it well (laughs) it is impossible theoretically to get it right because there are so many right interchangeable moving parts with the games you know going to the losers bracket the elimination rounds so it's 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 like winning the lottery really if you think you can do it you know knock yourself out (laughs) i'm eyeing just one prize the rsp pick'em league i'm 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 there oh yeah hopefully 
<laughs> hopefully uh, we get it. So yeah, don't forget to lock him up. But before we go on to more news, we are going to see, and it's not next week, but in the weekend after that on, well, not in the weekend, but on Tuesday, September 21st, we're going to see the Shock play against the Dragons. What do you think about the Dragons picking the Shock? Before we even discuss, we're not going to talk about it now, about predictions, but what, what do you think about this move? Uh, it was, I mean, I was as stunned as anyone. Um, yeah. This this is what I was talking about uh Earlier on, I think traditionally in this uh, uh, tournament format, mm-hmm. you want to pick the teams that you sort of see as the weakest, especially when there's literal cash money on the line. The farther you go in this bracket, the more money you make. Shanghai, in my mind, being the, the first team to pick, would want to pick the weakest team so they can sure. naturally make it farther to earn more money. They seemingly have not done that. And is it a question of San Francisco traditionally, you know, starts off a little slower and then builds in these tournaments? Maybe Shanghai's hoping to take advantage of that. Maybe Shanghai's hoping that, you know, they're not going to be warmed up. Maybe they've had this pick locked for, you know, weeks at this point, and they've just been studying San Francisco hard. I'm I'm stunned, honestly. That that's what I have to say about it. I mean, it's also pretty badass to do it, right? Oh, absolutely. Maybe that, absolutely. That was the the thought behind it. Like, let's intimidate them a little bit. Totally. If we if we're aiming for the top spot, might as well get it over with now. Yeah. Maybe they're not as afraid of of. Well, I don't know. There are some still weaker teams there to to choose from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um. We'll see. We'll see. It might like make you look like a badass at the end or like a total fool. Totally. I'm not sure who it was, but I feel like at the at before the playoffs of season one, like gladiators selected someone and they were like cocky about okay. it. Okay. And they ended up losing. I'm not sure who it was against, <laughs> but there was something like that okay. in, in season one. I'm not sure if it was I, the final round of playoffs, but it definitely happened. I unfortunately wasn't watching back then, so I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know. But but yeah, it's it's a risky move for Absolutely. sure. The next game we have is the Fusion going against the Gladiators. It's another spicy one mm-hmm. here. Both good teams with you know lots of upside, especially looking you know at, at this period where both teams appear to be peaking. Yep. Uh, Washington Justice against the Fuel. Uh, this seems like probably the easiest one to to predict, and I'm I mean it in like the most careful mm-hmm. way possible, right? But that's but... that's that's the way I was leaning as well. But the wild card, of course, is for sure. We haven't seen Dallas for so long. You know, mm-hmm. they've they've been lying dormant, if you will, not not uh, making it into the most recent tournament cycle. Right. And of course, Dallas and Shanghai, I think, both uh, put out messages, you know, on Twitter or whatever, um, saying that they were pumping the brakes a little bit. They were taking it yeah. easy. They were letting their players Sound rest back. mentally. And everything. <laughs> yeah, if you want to call it that. Um, I, I honestly like the move. It's interesting that they are being so forthcoming about it. In in my mind, you know, it's the kind of thing where once, I mean, comparing it to traditional sports like the NHL, 
as a team is getting closer to playoffs, once they have that spot locked and they know they're going to make it, it it happens, right? They don't play their uh, their A line all the time because there's a risk of injury. Um, you know, they they let other players have a chance to to come out and perform and things like that, and they let some of the guys take it a little bit easier. So it's not unheard of even in traditional sports. Um, but at the same time, I don't think teams usually announce it, which to me was the interesting part. I like the focus on players' mental and physical health. But regardless, it was surprising to see them coming, yeah. out, coming out and just straight up saying, hey, we're, we're going to relax kind of thing. It's like putting your excuse before, you know, anything goes wrong. Totally. It kind of felt weird. Yeah. Okay, the last match we know about is the Atlanta Reign versus the Chengdu Hunters. I, I have a guesstimation as to who you're cheering for in this <laughs> match and I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one yeah uh, we're not going to talk about how the the bracket's going to go and we don't really know what's going to you know happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after but we're going to leave that for next uh, week um, okay so any other news that happened in the Overwatch League world this week mm. Mm. Oh, wait, there was one thing. Maybe just a small thing. Just a small thing. It came out of the blue. Nobody, well, we, we, all right, I'm, I'm not going to do this joke. Nobody really <laughs> knowed, No, nobody really uh, knew anything about this. Uh, Overwatch League came out, well, actually, there were leaks before that. So there were news about the league and when they're going to start. We, we discussed a little bit about, you know, the, the Team owners being disgruntled with the league, with the lack of, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, sense of direction, what's happening with Overwatch 2. So apparently, apparently, the next season of Overwatch League is going to come a bit earlier than we, we thought. April seems to be the, the time fitting with the rumors of quarter two, I guess. Yeah. And it is now confirmed that they're going to be playing on a pre-alpha version of Overwatch 2. Mm-hmm. This uh, this was a bit of an interesting one for me. It's a megaton. Yeah, it's certainly a megaton. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that I tweeted about the uh, Boston and Toronto game and just saying, I told you so. Well, the funny thing about that was I also said if, um, if those rumors were true and Overwatch would be coming out Q2 of next year, they would need to be starting up a press cycle, starting up alphas, starting up betas, right. like the next day. And what happened, I think, a day after, maybe two days after our uh, uh, our episode posted? Yeah, they listened they to our episode this. and, yeah, apparently. <laughs> and that I was very much like, I, I don't want to say I told you so because this, this feels wrong. Um, you know, it, I could I could barely do the segue to this segment right for this episode. It, it, this, that's how flabbergasted I am with this. This this was about as shocking as Shanghai picking San Francisco uh, in, <laughs> in the first round. It's just, I mean, in my mind, I think this kind of a move is relatively unheard of. Um, you know, I mean, the the closest comparison in my mind is the Call of Duty League, and Call of Duty yeah. is an annualized series, right? There's a new one every year, every November, like clockwork. They have three different development uh, studios that make these games and they release a new one every single year. And naturally the Call of Duty League gravitates to the newest one with every new season. Um, That's not what Overwatch is. Certainly, as we all know, with, uh, you know, 
Overwatch being as old as it is and everything. Not yet. (laughs) Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, (laughs) But yeah, just absolutely shocking. Um, Especially, I mean, the the idea of it being pre-alpha or or whatever. They obviously, in my mind, wouldn't be doing this if the uh, if whatever version of the game they will be playing on was unstable, right? There's there's no feasible way they could be building a league on a broken game. Uh, that would be even more of a recipe for disaster than shipping the game before it's fully feature ready, right? Um, so, in my mind, it's good news. Um, it's shocking news, but uh, it's also very exciting. Yeah, I, I it's crazy. It uh, is. <laughs> with this news and like with the viewership numbers being significantly higher than last year, mm-hmm. another like good news that came out. I feel like Overwatch League finally got like a dub after this brutal stretch of bad news. And a lot of and everyone is excited about it and, and rightfully so. Like yeah. I agree with you. I don't feel like Overwatch two will be, you know, unplayable or anything like this. I was always off the mindset that I know it's controversial to say and I don't fault them for calling it Overwatch 2, but Overwatch 2 is like basically you know a big expansion pack. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think that the work that they're putting in and the new content is insignificant, but yeah. they did mention and confirm multiple times that all of the, this content, except for the PvE, the new heroes and stuff like that, is going to roll over to Overwatch 1 yeah. players. So if that's not a, you know, a, a confirmation that both games are essentially the same thing but you know with more stuff added to them so mm-hmm. there's no reason why they can like fundamental and use the fundamentals of overwatch one and just you know mm-hmm. add stuff to it add you know the tick rates and the new lighting engine it's not unheard of mm-hmm. right it's it's not i don't even feel it's like it's a bad thing to say but yeah it is basically the same game but a bit better in a lot of its aspects and well, much more content so i do expect it to be you know playable not and and then there won't be like situations where you know teams are playing a league match an official esports match and suddenly like something breaks or like a <laughs> player glitches through a wall yeah, yeah. Well, well sometimes things happen right we see no regs we see those weird <laughs> gaps at the end of king's row where like you might shatter and nothing happens true true but nothing worse than that yeah. i feel like it might be awesome yeah it might be bad <laughs> but stagnation is like a surefire bad. It's like you have to risk it now. It's yeah. worth the risk in my eyes as long as it's functional. And I feel like it's going to be – the more I think about it, the more excited excited I get, which is dangerous. You, know, you, you, don't, <laughs> you shouldn't do this, kids. If you're listening, don't do this at home. But like Overwatch League can leverage this to like do like beta drops for viewers. Totally. The, like so many things can go into like – promoting a new game through a league that's being played on it. I assume yeah. that by the time we'll see matches, at least the public beta will be out, out right? There's no way it won't be out. Well, and, and that's that's kind of one of the most, sort of two of the most interesting aspects of Overwatch 2 are, one, like you're talking about, is it a fully brand new game? Is it an expansion pack? Obviously, Blizzard has a ton of experience with iterative content we've seen this in world of warcraft we've seen this in even starcraft with the way they released the the campaigns and everything Um, oh very similar yeah very very similar but the other the other side of things is 
the opportunity they have to reinvigorate things with this. Um, if they, like you say, if they want to integrate things like beta drops, if they want to, sure. if they wanted to make this exclusive to the league, even for say a month, give the players access, give the, you know, cream of the crop, the top professional athletes at this sport access to the game. Yeah. And they're the only ones that can stream it. And they're then every weekend we have matches of the best of them coming together to play. Mm -hmm. Imagine what that would like that. Ooh. That's quite literally like, Hey, you guys want to see this game and all it can be played at the highest levels played by the most skillful people in the world. Here you go. This is, this is the only way to watch it for a month, two months, On maybe a single it. tournament cycle. Um, you know, the, the opportunity is there for them to really blow this out of the water. And then you build up the hype and you say, all right, now we're offering uh, beta access to whatever communities, uh, you know, however they want to do that. Reach out to streamers, uh, reach out to content creators, reach out sure. to Ready, Set, Pwn, reach out to One Man Watchpoint, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Hell right? yeah. The opportunity is there for them to only build on that, gain momentum. Yes. Uh, get how, things how, bigger and bigger and bigger. Like how crazy that Valorant uh, phase was when they just gave oh, it totally. streamers and like the 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 codes dropped mm -hmm. for the viewers. It can be a bit even more than that. Um, maybe it's not a wholly new thing because people know for sure. what Overwatch is and they know what to expect. But I'm already past the point of being angry at you know Activision Blizzard just wanting to charge a whole new you know mm -hmm. 70 bucks or whatever that might be for for a new game just for strapping on it two on it yeah there'll probably be more than enough content to justify it but it's still overwatch and you know outside of it being a 5v5 i'm sure most of the casuals and the the pro players don't really want it not to be overwatch mm -hmm. right just mm -hmm. better and then more content i mean we're starving here yeah we're starving. We're we want something new. Yeah. We we haven't haven't had new heroes. Well, new maps. Imagine it's like okay, the league is starting and they're playing Overwatch. And there's like three new heroes mm -hmm. to pick from. Holy, yeah, crazy. Well, and and there's something that um, over on on Plat Chat, um, Ryan Force, obviously one of the hosts of the Overwatch League, uh, he's talked about before. Like, there's an interesting thing that happens with Overwatch every time they release a new hero. They always come into the game. They're always overpowered for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> they take some major balancing. And then, uh, so the, the meta always shifts towards them. And then things slow down. And with Overwatch traditionally releasing one, maybe two. I, have they ever released two heroes at the exact same time? No, never. I was going to say, so they, they traditionally release one hero at a time. And with the new game, I think they've promised at least eight new heroes or right. something to that extent already. And yeah. it's kind of like if they launch the game and say, here's all eight new heroes, not only are we switching to 5v5, we're also introducing eight new heroes with eight new kits, which probably have anywhere from two to three to four new abilities that it, it's going to, sure. it's going to shake things up so much that, you know, you hope obviously they, they are brighter minds than mine. You hope that they are planning this to say, okay, because we're maybe releasing a little earlier, you know, we're doing the whole alpha thing with the league. Maybe we start off with two new heroes. Maybe three months down the line, we then release two more, 
two more, especially just to keep things going again, especially with them trying, you know, to, to bring it a bit earlier than what Mm -hmm. we previously expected. Exactly. And yeah, Overwatch, you know, people like to meme how it's a dead game, but it's probably the most alive dead game I've ever seen. (laughs) And it's just the lack of novelty, right? I remember the excitement when a new map comes out or new hero. God, you just play it and it feels so fresh again. Totally. I can't imagine how it's going to feel after. I hope I'm not disappointed, but like, you know, Overwatch is special. I've tried many other games. Yeah. There's nothing quite like getting that perfect Genji blade or a Diva <laughs> self-destruct. It nothing compares. Yeah. So, I'm rooting for this game obviously. Absolutely. We're completely not biased here on this Overwatch related no, podcast. No, definitely not. But it it's it feels even like as a podcaster, it, it feels nice to to end end this on like a positive note for for once for once yeah <laughs> so here we are i think at the outro in this uh positive <laughs> note we will see you again in one week and uh, no games next weekend but we're gonna predict what's gonna happen the one after that are we gonna have chris back are we gonna have jordan maybe both maybe sam oh. we don't really know <laughs> Get in touch with us on Twitter at ReadySetPone, on Discord.io slash ReadySetPone, myself at OmniStrife, Chris at LightForce, and Jordan here, of course, at Sir Dr. GJM. Sorry, so that's at Sir DRJM. You can find our podcast on all podcast platforms, and you can find Jordan's podcast, One Man Watchpoint, on there as well. Of course, leave our podcast a review, leave his podcast, the review. It's the lifeblood of our podcasts. <laughs> we all know we're not getting paid from, from this endeavor. You know, oh, it's free. Just... You're not? Chris is actually e-transferring me some. Did he? Oh, sorry. Maybe I'll just. That's I'll why. Just that, yeah. I, that's why I didn't get paid this month. So. Oh, okay. Okay. You're not invited next time. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> should have thought of that. Maybe when he said Pwn is about to become a one-man watch point. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, tell a friend, we'll appreciate the gesture, and um, my words of wisdom for today are in relation to Chris's moving, so I just remember how I saw a cop pulling over a U-Haul. I guess that cop was trying to bust a move. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's horrible, but I'm trying to revive uh, his dad joke streak. That was was a good one. I liked it. Any final words there, Jordan? Um... Uh, not not really if if i had to i would say uh look forward to another episode of one man watch point next week uh it'll be my first one in the new place given i jumped right into ready set pwn here but i also of course wanted to thank you guys for having me um i love doing this kind of thing and uh yeah i'm looking forward to looking forward to many more hell yeah it's a it's a great plan we we had a pleasure of hosting you here of course and yeah i think that's it it's been a long episode but there's a lot to talk about and i'll leave you with these two words catchphrase Thank you.